Just a heads up, this episode briefly mentions sexual trauma, but it's flagged in the moment, so you'll get a heads up later as well. Elle, how sexual are you feeling today? Oh, not the most sexual, Mm -hmm. because I'm recovering from a cold. Mm -hmm. But because I'm on the up from the trough, Mm -hmm. trough, trough, trough. Uh, <laughs> I can definitely feel it coming back to me. Is that how you feel your health coming back? <laughs> yeah, how sexually available I am. Horniness returns. Actually, sometimes when I'm ill, I just wank constantly, but that wasn't the case this time. And that also can be a matter of boredom. Yeah, exactly. And then you feel really bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say on a scale of uh, one to ten, that feels so boring, boring. doesn't it? One I'd say 13. I'm, well, I'm going to say that I feel like Ivy crawling thing? up a wall. Okay. Striving. Okay. Striving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, not, close to I'm the not really in the sunshine. But are we saying that the sunshine, the sunshine is sex? Yeah. Or wellness? <laughs> <laughs> I think the two are similar for me. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's good. That's interesting. What about you? How sexual do you feel today? Um, well, I am bleeding my womb out. <laughs> now that's a 50 50 i've filled four menstrual cups over the course of the last two days but i filled three of them yesterday fuck me which i think is quite a lot i was trying to research sounds like a lot anyway so the idea actually penetration can sometimes help Mm. but i'm definitely not feeling that sexual earlier i was like you know Elle was there sort of accompanying me down the high street and i was like walking like an old person yeah couldn't really just like groaning and pale people who walked past us like were concerned yeah i look like a vampire when i'm on my period because all the blood drains from my face into your vag yeah there's a period of time so no also we've had quite a stressful morning we have we have which reduces sex drive immensely but then sometimes um and i had an incredibly sexual weekend yeah so honestly that's what i was gonna say i'm quite sexually satisfied i've recently realized that when i've had a vigorous session of sex (laughs) My body hurts in a way it never did before. And I'm like, oh my God, this is sort of getting older. My oh, hips. I don't experience this. My hips get tight. Hips, yes. My hips are tight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, why are you asking me this, please? Welcome back to another episode of Life of Bi. This episode, as you might have guessed, well, you as we've sort haven't. of teased you, no, you probably haven't <laughs> guessed, you probably haven't guessed, we're teasing that this episode is about asexuality or the ace spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can jump right in with some definitions. Yeah, we better. Yeah, um, because before researching this, we got to be honest, we didn't know a lot about asexuality and that is the point of this series. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Asexuality is an umbrella term, Mary. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yeah, and I ex- typed this. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you have just said that it, it's part of a spectrum uh, yeah. called the ace spectrum. Um, now, 
Why don't you take over? <laughs> okay, God's sake. Uh, so that's shortened to an ace spectrum. Asexual is sometimes shortened to ace, ace, A-C-E. Um, so you might be known as ace or aces. And that generally means you have little interest in having sex, even though an asexual might have desire. But the reason for the word spectrum is that there's a huge range of asexual orientation so you could ranging from like gray sexual or demisexual or even queer platonic which is a word i learned today which we haven't got time to go into all of those right now so you're just gonna have to go off and do a little google yeah um (laughs) now like we said we didn't know very much about the ace spectrum before this and so this has felt like you know researching this episode has felt like a pretty big process yeah i can remember when when we were doing um series one Mm -hmm. having a talk discussion about asexuality in margate and i remember being really resistant yeah because i just couldn't wrap my head around it so why were we being resistant what like well i was going to go into it i think it's because if you're so as someone who isn't an asexual the sort of like should we be saying empathic gymnastics you have to do what you relate, basically how you relate to to someone. When I first heard the idea, I was like imagining periods in my life, right? It wasn't that intersex. Mm-hmm, but obviously mm-hmm. in my life, that's always just a phase. So that's the first preconception, right? Because it's hard yeah. as mm. an allosexual Which to... Which means... Like somebody that wants to have sex. Great. Um, the majority, the, the population majority. Yeah. The cultural norm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's hard to... We only experience that as a phase. So that was like one of the things that I thought. Or it gets confused with periods of time as an allosexual where you've been like, I don't want to have too much sex. So that goes into more like a choice or like celibacy, not celibacy, but something like that. No, I see what you mean. And sometimes as an allosexual, helpful word, um, I associate periods where I don't want to have sex with things like depression and stuff, which is a terrible preconception to have about, you know, yeah. n- not having sex because some people just choose that. Yeah. Also, so it comes with quite like negative, I think mm. it can come with quite negative connotations. So I think pe- mm. why people are often resistant to this idea. Yeah. And, and, and I was one of those people. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important to look into it a bit more, especially because one of my preconceptions was that as a bisexual person, I pretty much, give or take, would have sex with like most people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in that spectrum, asexuality feels the furthest away from me. Like that's a preconception that I have is like that feels distant from me. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess as a pan or bisexual, you can you've got a frame of reference for basically every other sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like gay, yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, straight, yeah, I can imagine that. Lesbian, yeah, I can imagine that. Uh-huh. And then it's like asexual, like oh, I just don't. Oh uh, yeah, I actually struggle to imagine this. Yes. I'm not sure where to start imagining this. So because sexuality is so entrenched in our culture mm-hmm. that it is hard not to or like we tend to conceive of no sex as a lack. And that is like, even if you're allosexual, that language, that rhetoric is in everything from like Vogue magazines Mm -hmm. to therapy Mm -hmm. upwards, which is like sex is an indicator of health. Like you just said. Interesting. The ivy growing towards the The sun. sun. So anyway, we're obviously not just going to end the episode there. 
Like, these are the stupid things that we thought three years ago. Yeah. There you go. And bye. we're not going to interrogate them at, at all. all. <laughs> um, no, the whole episode is now going to be looking into talking to uh, a genuine asexual. <laughs> a real should, asexual. Should we be saying, so you've said an asexual. Should it be an asexual person? An asexual person. Because I wouldn't refer to myself as a bisexual. Would I? Yeah, you would. Maybe I would. The TV series, The Bisexual. That's true. So maybe that's fine. But, you know, it is true. It's quite dehumanising. It feels separating. Yes, it does. Anyway. Yes, it does. <laughs> you wouldn't say he's a gay. Yes, you yes, would. Yes, you would. But it sounds derogatory. <laughs> <laughs> She's lesbian. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Interesting. Nominal. What's the word for that? I don't There's know. There's a word for that. It's Prejudice? Like... <laughs> Dehumanising? <laughs> no, Failure of language? It's like called like a nominal adjective or some or something. Anyway, a grammar. Uh... The anyway, point is, <laughs> God's sake. anyway, I just because I, what I'm going to say is three years ago, Elle and I if were going keep going with this analogy. We're quite stiff, like your hips post sex mm-hmm. about asexuality. And Elle and I both really like yoga with Adrienne, mm-hmm. who always does yoga for something yoga for kindness, yoga for gratitude, yoga and to, for digestion. And today's. It's going to be called Yoga for Allosexuals. This is yes. about finding more strength and flexibility in your understanding of the ACE spectrum. So hop into something comfy and let's get started. Now, obviously, we hope... There'll be some A spectrum people listening here today. Hi, welcome, guys. Hello. Hi, how you Hiya, doing? Howdy. Welcome on in. Except that um, probably the first ten to fifteen, twenty minutes of stuff is going to be stuff that you already know. So feel free to skip through to that because then we discuss. Uh, we go into more detail. We talk about asexuality or non-sexual relationships in a polyamorous context towards the end, mm-hmm. and that might be interesting for you, even if this stuff is shit you already know. According to the 2021 census, there are 28,000 asexual people in the UK and we've interviewed all of them. (laughs) No, 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 we've interviewed one. (laughs) Yeah, so 28,000 actually equates to only 0.06% of the population. Which sounds pretty low. Mm -hmm. But then again, 3.6 million people... Of this in the census, which is seven point five percent, did not answer the question on sexual orientation at all, which is a bit suspicious. Oh, if you yeah, ask it's me, it's very dark cause. Like, what are they? Like, what, what are they? What are they hiding? What's going on there? No, obviously, it's good that you don't have to answer that question. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, that would be like sort of dystopic fascism. <laughs> <laughs> People don't one always come out because there's a lot of stigma but two people don't always knowingly identify as asexual even if that's potentially what they are they're like no i just don't have a high sex drive it's like babes you don't have a sex drive this is ash ash uses he they pronouns we found him on lex which is the uh, lgbtq plus dating app which is formatted like a notice board so you can mm. just like find people to go on a picnic with you and we just shout out for the aspects <laughs> yeah we should do a picnic though um we're not sponsored by them but Yet. lex Lex-ly. if you're listening uh <laughs> give us a shout i came to asexuality like when i was 
16. So I am now 27. This was back in the sort of Tumblr era of asexuality. It was a rough time. Um, <laughs> not gonna lie. Um, and that is the first label I came to because I was like, from the age of about 10, I was like, huh, something's not quite right. Lesbian doesn't fit. At this time, I was like not aware of trans at all because this was what, 2005. Um, and I was 10. So I was like, what, you know, trans isn't a thing. But that left me with lesbian. Bi also probably wasn't on my radar in 2005 as a 10 year old. So I was like, well, lesbian doesn't work, but straight also really doesn't work for me. Um, so it was only five years later, reading an article in The Metro that I came across, and I still have this cutout of the article um, of about asexuality. It was like a centerfold article. And I was like, it all makes sense. Suddenly everything makes sense. As someone who like realised my own queerness age 19, mm-hmm and had zero clue before that point, the idea, when somebody says that they knew, well, as you're saying, they knew they were asexual at 10, Mm -hmm. or like they knew something about their sexual identity at 10, I'm like, what the fuck? That's incredible. Yeah. And I also instantly feel inferior. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I must be less queer if I know you, do you know what I mean? I understand. I did know, like... Something was off, but I feel like off. Oh. <laughs> Something's a bit off here. <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. That that's that kind of self knowledge when you're ten, like you're not even a preteen or a teenager. Then, like that's I, would, I would expect that from Baby Yoda. Yeah, or like Gen Z. Gen Z and Ash is our age. Yeah, exactly. Ash is my age. Yeah. Twenty-seven. <laughs> so I don't think I even had my first bank till I was like nineteen. Yeah. Which I'm aware is very, very old. No, same. Not for yeah. yeah. I, I I made myself come for the first time when I was twenty. Yeah, that 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 came a bit later. But yeah. I think my first wank, like yeah, even just like anything, was probably when I was about nineteen. Oh no! If you mean like um, like I used to rub up against chairs when I was six. No, no, no. <laughs> that no, that no. I didn't have any of that. Some of you might already be thinking, hang on a second, do asexual people wank? Uh, I thought they weren't into sex, but it's actually way more nuanced than that. If you know asexual people in your life, do not ask them this question. This is information they will willingly or, or not give. Um, but I do still have sex. Like, the sex drive is there. You know, I, I speak of it like an itch. It, you know, sometimes it needs scratching. Um, but that's, I do not experience sexual attraction i don't walk down the street and as i have gathered this is a so allosexual is the Mm -hmm. term for people who do experience sexual attraction and i have gathered that allosexual people do walk down the street see a random person and go oh i'd have a bit of that (laughs) i don't have that and that is how i know that even though i have sex i'm still asexual that is unfortunately very me (laughs) Why, unfortunately? It's fine. I've just, I'm honestly, the, the second Ash said that, I was like, I've literally heard Elle describe this yeah. so many times. I think it's just about like walking through the world, like being sexually available to people and mm. kind of seeking that connection anywhere you can. And in fact, we touched on it in an episode where we quoted Paul takes the form of a mortal girl. Yeah. Where like it describes him deciding how he would like shag someone. It's in like a gamified lift. almost. Yeah, exactly. You like walk down the street in your 
you know, it's like facing a boss in a video game. Like, where, what, where's the weak point? You know, <laughs> like, where's, where's my way in? Um, and like, there is that kind of, I definitely do go through the world with that kind of attitude to some extent. And then there was this moment in the interview where Ash said, So that might be asexuality or that might just be respect. <laughs> Some people are just, you know, filthy minded. It's fine. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so disrespectful of people. <laughs> um, wait, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not respecting so Objectifying them. people in your head. But I'm not like going up to them. Yeah. There's a degree of respect in that, you know, you keep your hands to I'm yourself. I'm harboring my dirty, dirty thoughts oh, to myself. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't you, be accepted. Yeah, do you still do that now? Definitely less so now because I'm in a monogamous relationship. So like I'm not okay. putting the kind of fuck me energy into the world, you know? Yeah, I've heard you say this before, though. And I just think like, mm. it does make me a bit confused because I'm like, is is do you really think that the power of monogamy... <laughs> is so sort of huge and awe-inspiring that it could actually lower your sex drive. <laughs> no, it's not like it's lowering my sex drive. It's like the energy that you're putting out, right? So, like, if I'm feeling available and open, then I'm, like, more likely to be met by that energy and then I'm more likely to see it and then it just sort of, like, goes on exponentially, mm-hmm. this give and take of energy. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah. less, I'm not any less sexual now, but I'm not seeking to like fuck anyone because I have like, as I have someone to d- funnel my sexual energy into. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> poor Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor man's exhausted. <laughs> You're concentrated your whole universe <laughs> fucking energy no. into one poor individual. No, it's not to say I'm, I'm not doing that at all. Like, you know. As, you know, right. So it does still happen. It does still happen, but I'm not like, you know, I'm just not desperate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Do you wait? But I'm saying that because, like, I'm in a monogamous relationship. Do you have that sensation of hunting? Because you've definitely described it to me before, where like you used to at least describe almost being on a hunt for people. Yes, I mean, I do associate that with really specific like sexual phases Mm. where um i know exactly what you're talking about when i've described it as a hunt and i consider that to be times when well like (sighs) like i need to content warning this okay what the times that are after something like sexually troubling or traumatic we've talked about this yeah that's when i think the hunt kicks in which is a way of like Mm. getting power back that I know. I don't really experience that. Right. At any, I've never really experienced that at any other times. Right. Than in the wake of something like that. If you feel used, then mm. I think it makes sense to go into the user headspace. Yeah, yeah, Or at least yeah. that's, what I, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the hunting. Right. Generally, I don't have that walking around. Right. I am aware of people sexually. Mm. I got distracted on a date with Eros the other day because the bar, the bar person was so hot and I couldn't mm. really stop looking at them. That and happens. when you're looking at them, do you, like, what are you, are you imagining anything? No. Because for me, especially, may I say, if I'm, like, ovulating or something, if I'm, like, attracted to someone, 
my brain immediately almost like jump cuts to like wow fairly invasive like wow sex. no that's fascinating i don't have that at all i do like mine and i also have it with people that i don't necessarily find attractive right like it's it's an interest in someone mm-hmm. or general beauty or like someone moves in an unusual way <laughs> general or beauty. or is incredibly unlike me sometimes yeah, what yeah. fascinates is me um is like a very very femme woman right that i can't stop looking right, at and yeah. that's not to do with um it doesn't feel completely unsexual mm-hmm. but it's not it's not about having it well that's what makes it sound this unsexual interesting though it's interesting though because i basically don't recognize what ash is saying though if that's Ash's definition of an allosexual, I don't have that the majority of the time. Yeah. Whereas you do. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting thing, especially to think of when, like, uh, we live in a culture that sees sexual attraction as the sort of base level jumping off point for a romantic relationship. Mm. It makes me want to, like, how an asexual person would know when they want someone to be their partner hey listeners are you enjoying this episode of life of bye now we joked about being sponsored by lex but the truth is this podcast is supported by patreon it's a lovely equalizing system which means that people who can afford to support artists fund podcasts like these so that people with less money can listen for free so if you value the work we make and you want us to continue please support us with a monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash life of buy every new patron brings us that little bit closer to living off what we love thank you thank you, you. bye love i'm attracted to the person that someone is rather than what they look like mm-hmm. so if someone's funny i'll be like oh yeah i'd fuck a funny person <laughs> um so i think it's more about the personality mm-hmm. than how they look so in that sense i guess you would technically say i'm gray sexual um more more on that scale um for me it doesn't really matter so much anymore because it mattered a lot when i was 16 because i was like okay, I'm going on the internet to find people like me so I don't feel broken. Mm-hmm. Um, I need search terms. Yeah. Whereas now I found my community. I'm very happy with my community. I don't need to go looking. So I'm like, labels are for others' use to box me rather yeah. than me trying to define myself. I'm happy with how I see myself. I don't need them so much anymore. Definition klaxon. <laughs> Gray sexual means that you're also oh, you're on the a spectrum, um, but if you're a gray sexual, you might you might have sex with someone you have a strong connection to, but the relationship isn't based on sex. Yeah, and as I was, it's often interused. It's often interchanged with demisexual. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So they mean the same exactly the same thing. They don't mean the same exactly the same thing, but they often come slashed together. Right. And as we were saying earlier, like my experience of getting into a relationship via a dating app and doing quite a lot of dating on apps yeah (laughs) is very based on sex so what's it like using a dating app as an asexual person like i used to put it on my my dating profiles especially online like um 
asexual, but it doesn't really have any impact on you. If I like you, I like you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to stop me having sex with you, like whatever. Um, but these days I'm a bit more, I guess, reserved because um, I don't really feel it's anyone's business necessarily. If it doesn't impact how I'm going to act with them, it doesn't throw up issues in the way that you would think it does. I think if it was a different, if I was more, so there's there's the scale of like sex positives to sex repulsed is what they call it in the community. I think oh. if I was more sex repulsed, um, and then there's like sex neutral in the middle, um, then it would be an issue. And I know that there are asexual people who only date other asexual people or date specifically non-monogamous people who look for their sexual relationships elsewhere. Um, and I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure there, you know, there are ways to get around it and blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure it would be more of an issue then. But for me, who's sex positive, and I don't particularly care for that term because it is like, you can still be sex repulsed, but think favorably of sex, just yeah. not for you. So yeah. I don't care for that term. However, that is the term that exists. This was fascinating. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of the sex the positive spectrum. to sex repulsed spectrum before. Yes. But it does need a bit of Clarifying. clarity, I'd say. Yeah. 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 So, so Ash identifies as a sex positive asexual person. Yeah, which is confusing mm-hmm. because... In allosexual culture, we use sex positive to mean like anti-shaming, anti-sex shaming, right? Yeah, and so it's really important to note that if you are on the sex-repulsed side of the spectrum in the ace community, that doesn't mean that you're not sex positive in like a more general, holistic way. Yes, it's not a political ideology, it's an orientation. Yeah, so you, for yourself personally are sex repulsed you don't want sex yeah but that doesn't mean that you're not happy for other people everyone yeah. else is doing it <laughs> like yeah. everyone else you might find it that. perplexing maybe they do find it disgusting i don't know <laughs> like i said i discovered it in the tumblr era when being asexual was only being sex repulsed there was no other way to do it mm. um we hadn't evolved past like you are not sexually attracted therefore you should not have sex right because it's weird and wrong and goes against your own nature right but now i think as a community we've we've moved well beyond that like like i've said sex drive is different so why not do that if it makes you happy if it makes you happy then and it's not hurting anyone else then what what's the problem my favourite podcast, Making Polyamory Work, um, is hosted by Libby Simbach and it's all about making polyamory work. But while we were researching this, she, just as we were doing that, she released an episode titled What If We Don't Have Sex? where she and Shanae Jackson-Kendall, another polyamorous educator, um, just dug into asexual polyamory um, or relationships where you don't have sex um, and I really recommend you listening to the whole conversation but for the purpose of this podcast we're just going to take out a few little juicy bits for mm. us to chat about um, but please join the Libby Simbat Club she's incredible the first thing happens on the, on the episode is they unpack the term Shanae and Libby unpack the term amatonormativity it's like heteronormativity or uh, cis normativity but the amateur bit 
that bit I'd never heard before. Mm-hmm. Anyway, here's Janae explaining it. So a model normativity is the idea, it's a pushback against the idea that only sexual and romantic relationships should be prioritized in our lives. So it's basically the re- the idea that all relationships are on equal footing and that it's not just about romance or sex that should um, rank relationships in our life. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's good. It's like that revelation people have when after they break up from their like primary partner, they're like, oh my God, I have friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I realize this when I was in the relationship? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's... Um, I think it's just an amazing word anyway. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe I hadn't come across it before, to mm. be honest. But anyway, the so this episode, the way that they look at this, it's not really an asexual perspective in the strictest sense uh-huh. because um, actually Libby does identify as grey forward slash demisexual, mm-hmm. whereas Sinead identifies as a near megasexual, which yes. is another term I'd never heard of before, <laughs> which definition klaxon <laughs> means... Um, that a person might lack emotional connection to other people unless or until they have formed a strong sexual connection with them first. Wow. So I would say it's kind of the, it's almost the opposite of um, asexuality. Yes. But anyway, my point, my point is that um, the episode examines the way that sex structures relationships from a polyamorous perspective rather than being from an asexual perspective. And in fact, the conversation opens up all these ways mm. in which releasing amateur normativity can improve the health of all kinds of relationships. I think that for a lot of polyamorous people who haven't unpacked amateur normativity or who don't want to, they do tend to define partner as someone they are having sex with and they define friend as someone they are not having sex with. And yet, to your point, I think the way that I would define partner is what you said, which is I would define partner as someone I'm doing life with that I have some kind of commitment or some kind of agreement or some kind of expectation with. And it doesn't mean that we're lifelong partners, but it does mean that we're we're in something together that we're committed to, that we're either creating, that we're building. We have some like practices. We have some involvement in each other's lives. And that could, and, and why would, honestly, Shanae, why would sex even be the thing that would determine whether I would do that with somebody or not? When sex is like an, I mean, again, this is my asexuality talking, like sex for me is just like an activity like tennis, you know, like I don't even play tennis, but like, (laughs) but like, why would I choose to build a life with someone that I have a really great tennis partner relationship with? Like I might do that if we have other stuff in common, but like, I'm not going to say, Ooh, we've got a really great tennis chemistry. Let's go make babies together. Wow. Yeah. She, she just described us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That's, That's crazy when she says, she says we're committed to creating and building something together, which is literally what we do. I know, Elle. Our when I listened so to this connected. episode, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, here I am thinking I'm like struggling to relate to like mm-hmm. asexuality. Yeah. And then like one of the most important relationships in my life doesn't involve sex. Yeah. And used to. Which she goes into later. Does she? Again, yeah. Wow. That is so interesting. Yeah, because it felt like such a... Asexuality felt like such a distant thing from me. But you just need to, like, flip the perspective a bit. And then you realise that actually you... I operate like that in a lot of my relationships where sex doesn't come into them, but there's a huge amount of trust and commitment and all the things you would get from a partner. Yeah. And in fact, we've said to each other before that, like... 
um, possibly us dating at the beginning was like a misinterpreting of an amazing energy. Yeah, because it didn't really last for very long. Uh-huh. And I think there's definitely a way to look at that, which is like because we're in such an allosexual society, mm. if you meet someone and your whole brain is going ding 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 ding, 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 ding yeah, you kind of think like this is this is what then this is what the obvious next step yeah, is. Yeah. And but like actually it wasn't. But we were right in we the were sense right about that the like energy. Yeah, the energy it. was was there. Yeah. And I do things with you that I mean, I always joke to my family that I've got two partners. But like you and Eros come to like all family things. Mm-hmm. You would be at my granddad's funeral. Yeah. You come to my granddad's ninety third birthday yeah. before he died. <laughs> like all this stuff. Like he yeah. Yeah. It's you're definitely a partner you're a partner in my life it's a really beautiful way of like exploding what we expect from certain relationships in our lives and i think we'd all gain so much Mm. i mean it's that old adage isn't it of like treat your friends like lovers and your lovers like friends yeah yeah but now there's a word for it which is cheeky I actually don't, I just don't know how you say the word. Amateur normativity. That was so cheeky. So naughty. Yeah, well, um, Sinead, uh very generously, Libby and Sinead share some bits about their own, how the structures of their own relationships work right. as a way to connect with listeners. Um, and Sinead shares that one of her lifelong partners mm. is someone she used to have sex with, but doesn't anymore. But she doesn't call this a breakup. Um, she calls it a transition which is a term that Libby uses a lot as well. And it comes up quite a lot in polyamorous communities because it's like the relationship moves, it doesn't end. Like, uh, and she talks about how her relationship with her partner is built on all kinds of responsibilities we attribute to conventional marriage just without the sex. When it became time for um, our relationship to transition, right? I was terrified of what that would mean for our family. We live together. Um, and we we have had this child together. We've built lives together. Um, you know, I'm on our insurance. Like, this is a real life partnership. So what does it mean when your romantic relationship ends? Was a really big looming question for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things that time has revealed to me. Like, time has revealed to me that I still have a partner, right? That we're still doing life together. We're raising our child together. That's, you know she's still the very first call. Like, you know, it can be something as like inconvenient as my audio isn't working properly on my computer, right? And like, she's coming downstairs to fix it, right? And it could be like, hey, like, I really need some money. Like, give me some. It could be something as simple as like, I'm going on a trip. Do you want to go? We have this beautiful, rich partnership that exists now that I never would have imagined I would be open to, right? I had no idea that that would be our reality. I I was terrified. I thought we would break up and we would stop talking and she would move out and that we would have to be like divorced people. But I was like, we don't have to do that. Like that is the script that monogamy has given us. But polyamory allows us to write our own script and decide for ourselves what our relationship will look like. Which is beautiful. And I also want to add to what Sinead just said. Mm that asexuality also gives us a new script whether you're asexual or not mm. like that is a that is an amazing way to yeah reframe the way you think about things mm-hmm. i also just think this is fascinating because i think what shanae is describing to a lot of people 
sounds like uh, one of like our cultural horrors, which is like a sexless marriage. Mm. Like the idea that like two people come together and then the sex just like phases out over time and this part like dies slowly Mm. and it's nothing's done consciously and there's lots of regret and resentment and um something really beautiful about relationship just like dissipates and goes Mm. and a sexless marriage seems like a really bad thing yeah and i'm finding i find that really interesting particularly because at the moment i'm like i've got my eye on training to be a psychosexual relationship therapist Mm -hmm. and a lot of the reason that couples come to relationships with therapy is because they've lost that part because they've lost a sexual life yeah. and like what an amazing way to approach an issue like that which is like returning to sex is not necessarily the answer here mm. there are lots of ways that you can work around that because it may be that that's what that couple needs and there are like really clear obstacles mm. in their way and that's why like the sex is gone and actually that's a really important way for those two people to bond mm. but it also might be like this doesn't need to be a problem the only problem is that you haven't done it consciously yeah it's dropped off without anyone really talking about it mm. and you don't have a sort of like sympathetic understanding of it but if you still love this person and you really like spending time with them mm. and the sex is gone and one or both of you maybe don't mind that much if it didn't feel so stigmatized mm-hmm. You've got something good there. Yeah. You might need to get sex somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But there's still, there might be plenty of gold left to preserve. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it in relation to what I said at the top of the show, which was about it feeling equated to like wellness and stuff. And I think I certainly judge my own relationship if we've been like both going through a really busy, stressful time mm. and sex like you know becomes lower down in the priority list that can make me feel really distant from myself and like fear like (laughs) what is becoming because we've been together for like over three years blah blah blah, which hasn't isn't even that long in the grand scheme of things but like you so easily forget the other things you get from a partner like i'll organize this for you i will take that load off your shoulder you know Mm -hmm. um and i also think if you um if all intimacy is seen is seen as a pathway to sex yeah that can mean that sometimes people stop even being intimate as if like if you open the door with a long kiss or something then you're expected and so people even don't Mm. do that because they because if they don't feel like it they would rather not open the door at all rather than say i actually don't feel like it right now yeah yeah, people are scared of even saying that so Mm. they would literally rather Mm. keep complete physical distance yeah 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 yeah. than say i don't feel like having sex today yeah and that not seem like an issue yeah 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 it's taken me a while to actually um not see that as a judgment on myself Mm. if like my partner says i don't feel like having sex right now Mm -hmm. i'd say only within like the past year 18 months i've been like oh that's fine (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Rather than like imploding in myself being like, I'm not good enough. Yeah. You know? I think it's also important to remember that like neither of these lenses need to be dominant. Mm. So it is also okay to be a very sexual person in the allosexual sense Mm -hmm. and um, to prioritize sexual connection in your relationships. And so Uh that is going to feel, that is going to feel to you maybe like a way that you're missing connection with someone Mm -hmm. that's also really really possible and true yeah and so it makes sense to feel 
disappointed by that and I think uh -huh. it's okay to I mean Sinead says this another point as well it's okay to sit in the disappointment she talks about that transition mm. and in her own partnership and she was like it was it was necessary to sit in the disappointment of something that mm -hmm. was lost mm -hmm. and then move on and create something new yeah but you definitely shouldn't feel bad about feeling bad no I don't really anymore yeah good good it makes a lot of sense that you're gonna train to be a therapist that's <laughs> all I'm saying we're all very lucky. For this final part of the podcast, we have got our housemate Cess involved and we're having a round table or round bed <laughs> discussion. I wish I had what asexuality means to us now because I think me and Al felt, at least doing the research, that it's like wildly changed our minds about certain things. Mm -hmm. And so we just wanted a little bit of like um, debrief time. Yeah. a big question at this hour of the day <laughs> for awareness just so people are aware it is 9 30 and for me personally that is early it is really early yeah so i am not fully turned on but maybe you know this will be good like the, the walls aren't fully up right yeah great. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be more open <laughs> loose um how do i identify well um it, I think with most facets of my identity, it's very fluid. It's within the queer realm. It's queer, non-binary. And of late, I think why I've been brought to this roundtable discussion <laughs> is that I've been sort of exploring asexuality as well. Um, so I, I'm assuming that's why we're here to chat about it. Because also, it's something that I've been exploring and learning more about and resonating with certain aspects of um but like with any facet of identity there's so many terms and niches and like there's a lot going on there mm. so I don't feel like I'm fully an expert or like have fully arrived at anything mm. um but yeah I guess I'm giving the perspective of somebody that's just like exploring it and figuring it all out because it's good to talk about these things and destigmatize it. More people should be talking about stuff like this. So, so have you come across? Have you come across the relationship smorgasbord? No, I don't. I don't think so. No. I feel like this is an analogy that you two of all people in the world will really enjoy because it's basically a lots of little platters of food. It talks about platters. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh yes, yeah, so it's a tool used by relationship anarchists to form your relationships. Cool. So you cool. you and another can pick any number of items from any number of platters. It looks a bit like this. Oh, wow. Ooh. It's fucking huge. And the idea is that you would do it with another, note the lack of the word partner, you do it with another person, mm -hmm. and you go through the platters and you pick items from the platters and you can take one, you can take many, you can take handfuls, and you work out what your relationships are. Oh, I'm going to run through so, some of yeah. the ones that For the listener, it's like... It looks like a sort of huge... The analogy is like a huge, I don't know, chopping board with lots of different plates on it. Mm -hmm. And then each plate has got... Each plate has a theme and a title, and then it's got little items underneath. So I'm going to just give you some examples. Uh, so someone, one of the platters is called Time Spent Together, and underneath that it says holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, errands... Frequency, dates, home, duration. And then under 
And I thought this was, this was the most interesting thing. There are 28 platters that it gives you. Mm-hmm. Only three mention sex. Wow. But I think it... I guess because of what we were doing at the end when we were talking about Libby Simbach, we were thinking about asexu- asexuality um, less as an orientation because we don't identify as that as such mm-hmm. when talking to me and Elle there. But we were thinking of it more like a sort of organising principle or a new way of seeing things mm. or like a new spectrum to put your relationships on because I think if you're if you take amatonormativity out of it yeah then suddenly like the relationships that don't have sex in your that don't include sex or romance in your life yeah. end up being like much higher when you particularly when you look at something like this yes you think of who, there you, are so who many. do you live with who do you share all these tasks with who do you build futures with who do you yeah. go on holiday with yeah. and suddenly you're like whoa so I've got like so many really, really important relationships. Yeah. Shall we um shall we have a look at the smorgasbord and pick some things. Some things that we associate with each other. Mm. Okay. As a three. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Sess. I mean, domestic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Huge. Chores. Routines. Yeah. I've just cleaned I mean, the bathroom. Also we share a dwelling. And come together and share meals. Guess we don't share a sleeping space, but we no. could change that. I'll <laughs> <laughs> sleep in one room. Okay, I think the, the other point of this is to like <laughs> get every single one. I'm I joking. think that would be an awful relationship. I'm a, I'm a completionist. <laughs> yeah. Um, creative. Yeah. We we definitely all share that in a well. Actually, your craft. So you craft a lot with other people. Actually, that's true. I guess we don't do physical crafts in the same way. Make no. Um, emotional intimacy I think we've got being mm-hmm. vulnerable discussing values beliefs difficult conversations yeah. love languages yeah definitely and emotional support listening empathy insecurities and reassurances being asked for advice confidant yeah um, time spent together where's that I can't see it oh yeah, yeah. holidays birthdays anniversaries errands Parallel play. Does anyone I don't know, know what, what that, that means? means? No, I didn't put it on the thing, so I had no idea what it meant. <laughs> we do birthdays together. We do. That's pretty much it, though. Mm. Um, we do frequency in home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And sometimes duration. But and this is like this is. I think this is an interesting thing about generally how we do time with people. So I think one of the aspects of amatonormativity is how you spend time. Mm, yeah. like friend everyone was talking about friend dates for a bit and that sort of like comes in and out I think but generally I think we're less good at clearing time for our friends mm-hmm. than mm, yeah, we like are for like romantic partnerships romantic sort of partnerships like, you know, the priority yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah which doesn't really make sense because <clears throat> I know I know at least that me and Elle can go ages fucking ages where all our interaction is at home or, like, at work. Yeah. And then we'll go off and, like, date partners or whatever or, or do, like, special things with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can get months without even... We never even have a drink together. Do you know what I mean? Like, that can happen. Yeah. But there's, like, a real... It becomes, like, very functional. Maybe that's that might be fine, but it's, like, where, I guess what's what it points out to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, companionship varies very much. Yes, oh, shared yeah. activity interests. We do that a lot because we all go to plays play and things together. Playfulness. Friendship. Friendship. (laughs) 
Sass, what does asexuality mean to you now? <laughs> um, yeah, that is an interesting, very big question. Um, I will say it's something that I've only started exploring within myself, like, over the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a really long time... Uh, I was sort of, ex- I was scared of going there at all, mm-hmm. um, just because it's so stigmatized, and I think I have a lot of, like, internalized aphobia, and... I've never heard of that term before. I mean, with any identity, there's, there's always also a phobia, a phobia yeah. that corresponds. It's a good the dark side of anything. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of aphobia. Yeah, know. and I feel like, culturally, there's just a lot of aphobia. Um... But yeah, I think growing up when I did, we were sort of like in the beginning of like sex positivity being really, really big. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I was, you know, an adolescent, I sort of had this idea of like, I need to be, especially somebody that was socialized as a woman, I was like, I need to be uh, like sexually liberated and free and like be having lots of sex because like that's what you do mm. um, I think the crucial part of sex positivity is that the whole idea of being sexually liberated is like you can have as much or as little sex as you want mm-hmm. and like feel good about that but I think at the time when I was younger I was focused on like I'm supposed to be having a lot of sex and mm. I felt like sort of uh, weird about that there was this sort of disconnect within me of like I felt a societal pressure to be having sex, even though I didn't necessarily want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think looking back, especially when I was younger, I had a lot of sex that I didn't want to have, mm-hmm. but because I felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so now I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm sort of trying to unpack that and like unlearn a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say like, obviously, <laughs> Sexual dynamics are so complicated, especially when you're young. Um, And, like, uh, oftentimes it was with partners that I liked and cared for and, like, had feelings for and often attraction to. But that didn't always, for me, equate wanting to have sex with them or, like, wanting to have sex with them at the frequency with which it was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for, for me right now, as I'm exploring a bit more it seems like demisexuality sort of is what speaks to me the most Mm -hmm. in the sense that like I don't feel like I do feel sexual desire but a lot I've I've listened to a lot of like podcasts and YouTube videos and stuff about this um and how it's described often is like you can have sexual desire but it's not necessarily uh directional towards a person Mm. Um, and that's often the element that I'm lacking. Some asexual people don't feel sexual desire at all, mm. but for me, I do. Like, I like sex and I'm interested in it, and I like reading about it or hearing it or like watching other people. But it's like it's a feeling that I have, and it's not always directed specifically towards a person. Mm-hmm. Um, an analogy that's often used is like, oh, like aloe people are like hungry for pizza but like if you're asexual if you're spec, it's like i'm just hungry or sometimes it's just like maybe i'm not hungry at all mm. and really what it feels like to me or like the analogy that i've been thinking about is like i 
L is ravenous always. <laughs> In like a real sense. <laughs> Food and sex. Okay. Um, but for me, yeah, I feel like comparing it to like sexual desire, it's like I will feel hungry, but and then I'll just eat something myself like I'll just mm. take care of it myself yeah and I feel like I have a like a pretty good sex life with myself mm. which is why oftentimes because I I seem to lack that sort of like directionality with sexual attraction um that I don't always like seek it out in others mm. um but that's not to say that like I have had experiences in the past where um where I sort of form a connection or bond with somebody mm-hmm. um, emotionally or romantically and then it will almost be like a switch has been completely flipped and it's like, oh, now I feel those feelings towards you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what often gets muddied or at least my personal experience, it's like, it's not like, it, it's truly, I go from feeling like it's nothing. It's complete darkness, <laughs> <laughs> sexually attractiveness wise. And then it'll be switched on and it's like, oh, there's now like a whole room in this house that I didn't even know was here. So it goes from nothing to like being there. Um, seemingly by magic. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, yeah, often like I need to be, uh, feel really safe and comfortable with somebody. It's often, that's why I often just like develop feelings for friends because... It's it's from those places where I feel safe and seen already mm-hmm. that then allows like sexual desire or se- like sexual attraction to that person to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but and on the, I mean, a romanticism is a whole other pot of soup. <laughs> <laughs> and for me personally, I. I don't feel like I'm aromantic at all. Like that's yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, I. If you haven't delved into that at all, we don't have to go there. But basically, for me, it's we like should. I've always, I all like the romance side of things has always been there. Yeah, like that for more so than sexual attraction. I I will feel romantically attracted to somebody. Mm. Um, and I might then later feel sexually attracted to them, or it might just, like, stay in the romantic attraction zone. That's why it was a lot easier for me when I was younger, because, like, when you're younger, before sex is sort of in the equation, Mm -hmm. it was just this sort of, like, nice, seemingly safe space of, like, having these, like, fun, fuzzy feelings for somebody Mm. without the sexual dynamic there. And I think that is, for me, what I struggled with as I got got older, is that people then we're starting to have these sexual experiences and connections and feelings. And mm. I was like, I just want to stay over here where I'm, I just like you and I want to kiss you and like hold your hand and cuddle and like be emotionally intimate, but I don't necessarily want to have sex with you. Maybe mm. I will. Maybe I will. But mm. those sort of fuzzy romantic feelings have always been present for me. What is romance to you? Um, uh, it sounds so like cliche and there are elements to that that I think are true but I think for me it's really about just being like emotionally intimate with somebody um and there are physical elements to that that feel non-sexual so for instance like kiss I love kissing 
I could just, I think there, I think as we get older, we forget that sometimes it's nice to just like kiss for a long time and then not do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it was yesterday. Yeah. I love that. Bring yeah. them just making out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make out sessions. <laughs> You're right, you know, like at school. That's all you that's do. That's all you do. You just kiss like for uh, forever. <laughs> and then you're like, okay. So full of like flutteriness. Yeah. Yeah. A better so time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love so, kissing. Yeah. Uh, cuddling, holding hands. Just like being, like having physical touch that just. Cuddling like, is the fucking best. It's so nice. <laughs> it is. And I think also before I realized this about myself and I was having sex that I maybe did not want to have, mm. I was using that as a, a tool almost because I was like, I'm doing this because it's going to get me what I want, which is like the f- emotional and physical intimacy. So mm. as bad as it sounds, I would just like, I mean, it is horrible to think about, about me having sex and like sort of waiting for it to be over. <laughs> but that was happening because I was like, I'm just going to get to through this. Terrible way to say that though. Um, in order to, like, be in the place that I want to be. Mm-hmm. In order to get the emotional intimacy that I want, I'm going to have sex. And mm. I think... Have you talked about, like, the sort of spectrum of, like, sex-averse, yeah. yeah. sex and different... I feel yeah. like, generally, I feel like I didn't use those words, though. Oh. Yes. What were yours? Yours were sex-averse. Sex-averse. There's also sex-repulsed. Mm. Sex-averse, sex-indifferent, or uh, sex-favorable. Sex oh, slightly different language is yeah. good, yeah. Um, yeah, and I know there are there's slightly different terminal like ways of saying that, yeah. but that's sort of what I've come across. Because there are lots of asexual people who, you know, maybe don't feel that directional attraction to somebody, but still enjoys having sex or like yeah. is still favorable to having sex. Mm-hmm. So where on the on the scale would you say? I would you say are? I'm like. <clears throat> Most of the time, I would say I'm, like, in the sex indifferent zone. Mm. Um, But that can become, like, sex favorable depending on if there's somebody in the picture that I'm, like, attracted to or, like, have an emotional connection to. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like it changes, like, if I have a partner um, who I feel, like, romantically connected to and then that switch happens and I do feel that sexual attraction for them it does feel different than, like, sex favorable. It sort of feels like it's sex favorable, but also, like, the attraction then does sort of exist mm-hmm. for that period of time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. That's so interesting. When you said about, like, kissing being not necessarily sexual but romantic for you, I was like, God, that feels like being on a, um, what's the term? Sort of another level of sexual enlightenment because, or romantic enlightenment, because I think it just makes me think about when sex begins for me. Mm. And I think it almost does begin at the point of kissing, or at least it feels so sexual for me. I'm trying to kind of untangle... Yeah. I think kissing definitely can be sexual as well. Yeah. But I just think I want to I want to get more romantic kissing in my life. 
Yeah, I think I've had conversations with um, Eros about this. Or there's been, it was a period of time where I felt like it was just a door. It was like the first yeah. thing. Yeah. I actually don't want it to feel like that. And even like um, the introduction of tongue means that sex is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's You're like, like, for fuck's sake, I would like to be able to enjoy tongue without being like, this This is definitely Step what has one. to happen now. Yeah, yeah. Because then it can feel like, that I can feel like, oh, I can feel myself like, like slightly, sometimes if I'm just like not quite in the mood. Let's like using your mouth and be like, do I want to be fucking in about 10 minutes? And I'm like, I don't know. And then yeah. you withdraw your tongue. <laughs> but I also just think it, like, it's so nice. That you're, I think that is really clever. I think that's one of the things we, mm-hmm. when we were first writing the questions to say to Ash, we asked each other like, okay, hang on a second. What's the difference between romantic and sexual then? Yeah. Because like people are making this distinction that for us has become really blurred. Yeah. Um... But it's a really helpful one. It's yeah. Really helpful one. Also, I want to put into discussion that you're really good at romancing yourself too. You are really good at doing things for yourself that make you feel good in a way that is not that common for people. Like, you're not afraid to do things independently and, like, take yourself out on a date, like, on a solo thing, which might also be related to, you know... And that's something I wish I was better at doing as well. <laughs> Forever the twin. I'm kind of, I don't really like doing, doing things alone. <laughs> Forever the twin. I have to be listening to the radio constantly. I used to really like doing things alone and I just now have very little time in which mm. I would do that. Yeah, yeah. And I used to really enjoy it and it used to bring me lots of, yeah, just lots of thrill. Yeah. I think it also, I mean, it also comes back to just like the, I can't say a, a, a man no 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 I can't say. Um, I think it's a mato a mato. Uh, it was hard because they were American, so amenonormativity is what they were saying. Amenonormativity. Um, should we get someone to say it online? Yeah. A madonormativity. Um. Oh, a madonormativity. That's how I would say it. I'm mad and normative. Oh, wow. No, but back to, like, doing things by myself and, mm. like, romancing myself. I think a big part of that is because of a mad and normativity. Uh, mm. And because we live in a culture that's so focused on, like, romantic and sexual partnerships. And that's sort of... I'm very much aware of the fact that, like, so much of life is catered to, uh, like, partners. Mm. Of, like, doing stuff with your partner and, like, going on dates with your partner, going to brunch with your partner, doing things with your partner. And as somebody who doesn't have a partner and hasn't had a partner for, like, most of their life, it's like, well, I still want to do these things. I want to have access to these things. I don't have a partner to do it with, so I'm just going to do it by myself, which is nice. Um, but I'm very much aware of the fact that it's, like, this would be easier and maybe sometimes nicer if I had a partner to share that with. Mm. But, to bring it back to the smorgasbord, that doesn't mean it has to be, like, a sexual partner or a romantic partner, even. Like, no. But also, you have a lot of people in your life who yeah, do that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, friendships as well. Yeah. But, yeah, it's about, you know, examining our, how we prioritise which relationships in our life. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I've got to keep an eye on that, man. But, I mean, also, it's really interesting talking about the distinction between, like, romance and sexual attraction and desire and whatnot. Um, I've heard a lot of people, and it resonates with me, about um, people who also identify as non-binary and sort of this, like, ability 
to see beyond the the binary of things or like to be able to parse out these things and to be like yeah I sort of see myself maybe like outside of this Mm. or like I see it more on a spectrum and I will sometimes float between these things and like take aspects from these different things but I it feels very much like separate things you know like it feels like Romance and sexuality, or like sex, feels like different, different things to me. Mm. It's making me think when you were talking about being younger earlier. I was being like, it's making me think about um, the. I've always had crushes, but then until I was like nineteen, I was terrified about the crushes. Uh, the consummation of the crush. I didn't actually really ever want to get there mm. in some ways. I was, like, running at it really fast with all the heat of a crush. Mm. But then when it ever actually got there, I go, Whoa! and, like, disappear and turn around and, like, freak out. Yeah. yeah. And that being that felt really fucking confusing to me. I was like, but, I mean, I think I did I had some general um, sex fear or I possibly just wasn't ready for it or, like, these people that I was always attracted to, I didn't actually want to have um sex with them yeah but it's yeah. really hard to get do you recognize to the that? Do you have that yeah well it's, it's hard it's hard it's hard to really unpick where your own personal desire begins and when you've grown up in a society that just like expects you to want this thing Mm. yeah and tells you yeah and like listen I started having sex when I was like 15 but I didn't have any good sex until I was like (laughs) (laughs) like 20 like maybe 19 but that's like a really long time and I think if you're having bad sex for that long the thing that keeps you pursuing it can't just be your own desire because you've got no, like, proof that it could be good. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, there is... Yeah. I think I really enjoy, like, the... the bravado of sex and, like, what good stories you can get from it. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely what I got when I was, like, a teenager. Um, But I... Yeah. I... This whole, the the episode, and researching this episode has made me, <laughs> you know, reconsider what what that actually was. I don't know what that was. I know. I've I been, don't know what that was. I've been thinking about this loads recently too, for other reasons, but like why you, um, yeah, I used to talk about, well now I term it sexual tourism. Mm-hmm. I, which I think actually might as a term that might mean something else. But what I mean it, what I mean is an adventure that you have via sex. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I'm going to get to see this person's... House. House. I loved that. Or like you meet someone who you like don't really like, but they seem to have like some money and they're like, do you want to come back to my house? And you're like, um, yeah, I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> I think I do want to see your house. Let me see how many, ply, <laughs> how many plies your toilet roll has. Yeah, or like... Um, I described to my therapist as like just like letting go of the reins on an evening, mm. being like, "Yes, wherever, wherever yeah. the road takes me, I'll end up there." Which is a very risky game to play in many ways, yeah. but like, still, 
Yeah. Yeah. And then the sex does also feel like kind of what you're saying about like, I'm going to have sex to get to the intimacy bit. Mm. Sometimes I was making that transaction, which is I'm going to have sex with you really, really for the joy of letting go of the evening. Mm. Like, I don't necessarily really want this to have sex with you right now. Yeah. But I am getting something out of the evening, like having it taking its own course and yeah, taking yeah. my hands off the steering wheel. That's yeah. really true. That describes a lot of what I used to feel, yeah. And I've definitely like had situations like that before as well. Mm. Of like being like, I yeah, I guess I <laughs> I guess I'll have, I'll go home with you and like have sex with you. Like the I don't necessarily have that desire or like impulse to like I want to have sex with you, but it was more like yeah, I'm not doing anything else, so yeah. I might as well just this is see where this goes. Because it's like, Ash earlier described it as, like, scratching an itch. And sometimes I would be like, yes, I want to have sex, and you happen to be here, so yeah, I'll have sex with you. Which is, like, there is definitely a version of being on the ace spectrum that that, that speaks to. And I, it was completely nothing to do. It wasn't, wasn't like, directional desire yeah. at all. It was an itch to scratch. Yeah, there was something else I wanted to say. Can't remember. We don't really um, think about our motives for having sex no. very much until it gets dark. The only time you hear people talk about motives when you're talking about sexual assault, and beyond that, like you don't really. Yeah. Like you don't really unpick you don't what really unpick led you to that moment. And I think it is a dangerous. It does not not dangerous. It feels like a scary thing to do. It can feel like a scary thing to do. Because you just face this abyss and you're like, a lot of this isn't motivated by um, desire of the other person. And then you have that question. So what is mm. it then? I think it's just, it's really interesting to talk about. And I'm glad that these conversations are starting to happen a bit more. Because um, I think like any facet of identity whether that be like your gender or sexuality in terms of who you're attracted to like the 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 sexuality identity like there's a spectrum as well in terms of like sexuality and asexuality you know and that is a fluid spectrum and I think it's one that is often not can you clarify what you mean you mean like allosexuality has a spectrum and asexuality has a spectrum yeah like what you mean like I think when we talk about sexuality, it's often in terms of, like, heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, etc. It's, like, yeah. it's talking about who it is that you have these attractions for. Yes. But I think what is not talked about is how that attraction operates within you. Mm. And how you feel that attraction. And to what frequency, romance mm. and sexual, like, that is just as much, a, it's a, an important part of your sexuality as the who it is that it's directed at. Yeah. Mm, yeah. The sexuality within yourself. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. it's so important to talk about, to destigmatize it, because I think if I was younger and I was hearing these kinds of conversations happen, yeah. I would have had a much different relationship to it, because I think for so long mm. I was like, I am wrong, and I like something within me is wrong because I'm not feeling the way that I'm supposed to, mm. quote unquote, supposed to be feeling because mm. like 
it's seemingly, it's like everybody's having sex, everybody has this desire, and everybody's out there doing it, and something must be wrong with me. Yeah. Because I, like, my relationship to it is different. I would like to offer the fact that we have, we have used the term, like, ace spectrum a lot in this episode, and really, we're also talking about an allo spectrum. Yeah. And the entire thing is one big spectrum, and, you know, allosexual isn't just its... Isn't a fixed state either. Isn't a fixed state either. And I think that's what you learn from uh, from listening to it. When we started this episode, I thought, I don't understand asexuality and I don't relate to it in any way. And when you really take a dive into something, you are forced to like reckon with some like presumptions in yourself. And I feel that as well about like, you know what like trans people can teach us about how we look at our own gender Mm -hmm. as like too like that that's completely changed Mm. how I think of my own gender and it makes sense that like each thing each like rock that you unturn you would find a part of yourself that you haven't considered Mm. before yeah it's like uh yeah like your sexuality is a story and sometimes you realize that somebody else has been narrating it Life of Bi is written, edited, and hosted by us, Elle Potter and Mary Higgins. Sound design. <laughs> no, Mary! I got a doctor's appointment, I got a mould to be looked yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. Sound design and production by Tom Foskett Barnes. With a big thanks to Ash, Sess, Libby Sinback, and Sinead Jackson Kendall. Links to making polyamory work are in the website copy, as well as to the relationship smorgasbord if you want to give it a go. And thanks to our newest Patreons, Matt, Martin, Lara and Lucy May. You're amazing. 